Sophia here with Jesse. Podcast number two. Podcast number two. We are currently driving down to Santa Cruz for Coastal Belly Fest, which we've never been to before. We're making a point of trying to go out to more local festivals because, like, support your local community. Support your local community. Santa Cruz is not that far, although we're, like, stuck in traffic right now, so. Well, to be fair, we're (laughs) we're down near Los Gatos, and this is where it gets bad. This is where it's bad. I love the local events, because I feel like I get to go home at night. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and I I get to sleep with my cats, and, and, you know, in my own bed. Yeah. I don't have to worry about flying in a hotel. Yeah, it's definitely less of a production. Yeah. (laughs) You're not, like, in it. You're not, like, balls deep for three days. (laughs) (laughs) Which is exhausting. Which is another, like, topic we can get to in the future is uh, three-day ATS slash other kind of belly dance survival. (laughs) How to not die at a dance festival. (laughs) Well, especially if you're, like, super introverted, which I think a lot of performers are. Yeah, I think that's true, which is really funny. I definitely consider myself an introvert. Yeah. I don't and like I, talking to strangers. And you know what? I always feel, I, I, okay, this is why I like the local festivals. I can go in for a few hours and then I can peace out. Like, yeah. do my thing, say hi to people, shake some babies, kiss some hands. <laughs> shake some babies. <laughs> kiss some hands, shake some babies. You know, Christine says that. <laughs> anyway, we do not advocate the shaking of babies. No, just- we don't. So you know, no, we don't. But anyway, you, you know what I mean. You can go, you can dip in, you can see a few performances, you can do the local vendors, and then you can go home and just like completely decompress. Whereas a three-day festival, you are on. You're in it. You're on mm-hmm. like for three days straight, especially There's nowhere to run to. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I like reunion because everything's all in house. Yeah. And if I feel like I need to breathe for a minute I can just go up to my whole hotel room but then I feel like a dick because yeah. I wind up disappearing for like three or four hours right and people are probably like why is she so antisocial antisocial <laughs> but that's where my anxiety is kicking in right yeah it's that's a me problem right but it's like it's hard to have to manage that and also want to meet people Right. And be a good community member and that kind of thing. It's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. And if you see me at a festival and I look kind of miserable. <laughs> that's just how she always looks. That's Let's how I real. always look. Let's be real. Jesse. that's just Jesse's like, that's natural just my, state. It's just my face. <laughs> so say hi and tell me to go to my room and have a nap. Yeah. I actually really like when people... I like when people approach me. I don't like approaching other people. <laughs> I'm the same way. Which is funny because when we first met each other, it was obvious that neither of us wanted to talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, this is a new person. Yeah, pretty I much. don't like the new person. We were just like side-eyeing each other for, for like a weeks for, probably. Yeah, I feel like it was for like a good month. We were side-eyeing each other at the Fat Chat studio like, who is this person? <laughs> I have not seen her before. Well, I, I seem to recall that our friendship was really solidified because I, like, quoted RuPaul's Drag Race, and, and I, you overheard it, and you were like, excuse me? 
I think that's very true. Yeah. So we realized we had mutual love of drag queens and RuPaul's Drag Race. And our entire friendship is basically about dance and drag. And drag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the finer things in life. Right. What does RuPaul say? RuPaul bringing families together. <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race bringing friends together. Bringing friends together, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but that, you know, when did we meet? Like six years ago? God, has it been that long? Well, I've lived here for nearly seven years now, mm-hmm. which seems like an eternity. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. God. <laughs> it has felt like it feels is. like it's been forever. <laughs> um, it's like but, I just woke up one day and you were there and like you just won't go away. Bad case of the herp. <laughs> But uh, it's funny because I was in sort of like the middle of my dance path Yeah. at that point. Right. Like I had already been dancing for six years. So how long have you been dancing now? Well, it's funny. I started in 2002. Mm-hmm. And I figured that out because I saw my first ATS teacher at a wedding last weekend. Oh my gosh. I know. Isn't that weird? But we were both sitting there trying to figure it out. And I had moved to London in 2005, and I was living in Syracuse, New York before that, and I started in, yeah, 2002. And I remember my first teacher showing us Fat Chance videos on VHS. Anyway, yes, 2002 is the year I started ATS. Wow. And I hadn't done any style of belly dance before that. Had you done any other, had you studied any other style of dance or any kind of like, were you a sports person? Were you? I studied, and you're going to laugh at me. I, I think I told you this before. Swing dance. Oh, that's right. Yes. I did well, you were like a competitive swing dancer. For like a year. <laughs> it's like, you say that like as a small amount of time. Like well, a year is a pretty substantial amount of time. Yeah, but it's like. You know, and then I didn't have a partner anymore when I went to college because uh-huh. we were in high school. And you know, we, you know, my partner and I were, were swing dancing, doing Lindy Hop. We had just started to try tap together. <laughs> She's laughing at me. <laughs> you can't see me, but I am like tickled. She's, she is living I her am life. Tickled by this. Um, so, do you did you win any competitions? Only one. Only one. Only one. I mean, I haven't won any swing dance competitions. And before that, I was on TV for bowling. So, fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) From the age four until the age, like, 15, I was on a bowling league. Shut up. I'm dead serious. And my mom still has some of my trophies. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I was on Fun Time Youth Bowling. And my mom loves this story because I like I had really long curly hair that I sort of hid behind, and I got in second place. And the, the judges were like interviewing me, and, I, and they're like, "Did you fa- have fun?" And I leaned into the mic and went, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I was so shy. So you're, you're not much has changed. Not you're much saying. has changed. Yeah. What year did you start belly dance? So, I feel like I recently tried to backtrack this, too, and I think this year is my 10-year ats anniversary. and I was studying, um, I started with cabaret, actually, like two years before that. Right. 
So, um... 12 years. Yeah, 12 in the years, belly dance, I guess. In belly dance, yeah. Did you do any other style of dance I did, that? yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> um... I was in, like, tap, ballet, and jazz when I was, like, really little. Yeah. Um, and then I did jazz dance, like, pretty seriously. Not, like, competitive level, but, you know, like, you know, professional recitals and stuff. Until I fractured my foot, actually. And that's when I stopped dancing. So I must have been, like, I don't know, 12, maybe? When you fractured your foot? When I fractured my foot. It was a stress fracture. Oh, I see. In, uh... I think my left foot. I don't even remember anymore. It was so long ago. And then when, and how old were you when you took up belly dance? I was 18. It was right when I started college. Was it like a club at your school or something? (laughs) No, it was, um, well, it was something I had always wanted to try. You were just interested? I was just interested in it. And I used to, I used to borrow, um, like VHS. Did you watch Shakira? No, no. (laughs) Um, Vina and Nina. I think everyone remembers the belly dancing Oh my God. Yes. Um, so I used to borrow VHS tapes from the library of belly dance and I would like watch them and try to dance Copy along. Them. Yeah. In my, in my basement. Oh God. I really wish there was video of this. Yeah. There isn't. <laughs> yeah. So I'd always wanted to try it. And then somehow I heard of a belly dance class being offered, um, at the YWCA that was across from campus. And I just went and... The rest started is history. Dancing. Yeah, pretty much. So when did you find out about ATS? I love asking people this question. Because everybody's question is so... Or everybody's answer is so different. Yeah. And, yeah, anyway. How, well, did, you, how did you discover ATS? There wasn't, like, a specific... There wasn't a specific moment. Because I think because I lived in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. I, I was... I, I just kind of, like, knew about it. But I, like, didn't really know who Fat Chance was. Really? How dare you? I know, right? Because I was in the, I was like in the cab world. So, um, but I think that I found out about classes from one of the dancers that I was in classes with. And she had on, okay, now I remember this. She had on a black fluffy 25 year skirt. And I was like, I love your skirt. (laughs) I was like, I love your skirt. Because I'd never seen, I'd never seen anything like that before. Right. Um, and so I asked her about her skirt and she was like, oh yeah, I got it at, at the Fat Chance studio. And I was like, Fat Chance, what's that? And I don't think she like explained to me what the difference was. Like, I don't think I really understood what ATS was or like improv group improv was until I started taking classes. Um, but I just like, I, I had been wanting to try different dance styles and I just like looked it up on the internet and saw that it was close to a BART station um, cause I don't go anywhere <laughs> that close to a BART station. And then I just went and I tried it out, but I was like totally that student. This is so embarrassing to admit. I was totally that student that like emailed and was like, I have prior dance experience. Can I take level two? I was totally that person. I was absolutely that person. Um, not cause I thought I was like hot shit or anything, Mostly because, like, I had been studying for two years at that point, mm-hmm. and and you didn't know what the understand. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't know what the difference was. So, um, I mean, it probably seemed like a super arrogant thing <laughs> to whoever like politely responded to my email. But um, yeah, I went and I started taking level one classes, and like I discovered group improv, and like that was it. Because honestly, like I. 
I don't like soloing. I mean, we talked about that a little bit. So once I discovered that, like, you could dance with other people in a really structured way, I'm, like, really into rules and structure. So it basically was, like, totally in my wheelhouse. And I was, like, amazed when I found something that really, like, catered to everything that I enjoyed. What about you? The first time I saw ATS? Mm-hmm. Or how did you start how did you start taking ATS classes? You were in New York. I was in Syracuse, New York. I had just started dating Matt, who is my now husband. <laughs> Your long suffering husband. <laughs> my long suffering belly dance widow. And uh <laughs> <laughs> This is gonna sound so stupid. <laughs> uh, he was a he was doing he was a DJ at the time at like raves uh-huh and uh he was djing at this party and i am not afraid to admit that i was on some drugs <laughs> <laughs> i was very young and i'm not advocating the use of drugs um but anyway we're at this party matt's matt had already dj'd we were staying for a couple hours later um all of a sudden this this other dj goes on and a troupe of ATS dancers, there's like 10 of them, gets on stage. They're full-on headdress, like the old school, like no tucks in their skirts. They're black. They're wearing all sorts of tassels and long fringe. And me being a little bit, you know, drugged out. And a friend of mine, we're like, oh my God, what is that? I need to know more. That looks amazing. And it turned out Matt was friends with the DJ and the DJ's wife was in the troupe. Like she was one of the teachers in the troupe. So my friend uh, Nicole uh, and I um, decided to start taking classes with her, which she taught in her basement. That's really interesting because I'm pretty sure that I didn't really understand how group improv worked until I saw it on stage. And I don't think I saw fat chance for the first time until I had been taking classes for a couple months because then they were in devotion and it was at like the jewel box theater or something this like tiny theater in the mission um and it wasn't until I really saw it live that like I was like holy shit this is like magic so and your first introduction to them was like not through classes it was seeing them on stage yeah Mm -hmm. seeing ats done on stage and and this was back when um i believe this was before or right around the time volume one was published so there was a lot of the old old school movements that they were doing that have since fallen by the wayside Mm -hmm. so when i first started ATS, it, you know, the registration symbol wasn't there. Registered trademark wasn't there. It was a lot of different st- stuff, like, thrown in that my teacher had learned from other styles of group improv. So when I moved to London in 2005, there were more DVDs out. I had met um, Philippa Marai and a bunch of other gals in, in the London scene who are still dancing. And we started out like there was like 12 of us and we all had different ideas of what ATS was Hmm. (laughs) and what styles of group improv we really liked. And that's when I started to figure out, okay, there's Fat Chance, there's Gypsy Caravan, there's Black Sheep, there's like, I started to really realize that Fat Chance wasn't the only group improv 
for, right. for tribal. And I was like, oh. And, and you know, that group of, of women transitioned from, like, 12 to a group like Philippa and myself and a, a gal named Laura really wanted to focus on the fat chance stuff because that's what we were most familiar with. And then there was um, a group of ladies who decided they wanted to do Gypsy Caravan. And so we all split up a little bit, but... Yeah, I think moving to London was my rude awakening. That there were, like, more... There was more to it than than what I knew. And that's when I got on Tribe.net. Oh, Lord. And was like, oh! (laughs) Yeah. And that's when I discovered that there was a tribal fest. Yeah. Wow. What a whole... And that's it's a whole subculture to realize, yeah. yeah, you, like, start to dip your toe in, and then you get, like, sucked into the black hole, and you never come out. <laughs> so do you feel like there's anything from your swing dancing days that, like, informs you as a dancer? I think that one thing I, I took away from uh, being in the swing dance studio, and I, I learned two different ways when I was first learning swing dance first way was going to a dance class where you had an instructor bark instructions at you. <laughs> and I remember this woman. She was very, she was formidable. She, she was also a competitive dancer. Kind of like Ava, our yeah. studio owner. Like, I, I liked her a lot. But then the other thing about swing dancing that, uh, it's, it's a social dance. So there was a lot of clubs in the Syracuse, Rochester area that you would just go to. And it was a hall full of people at different levels of experience and the more experienced dancers would grab a partner from the pool of the less experienced and they would teach like informally teach each other so it was like a hofla it was a swing dance hofla yeah oh my god (laughs) i just realized that um but so I, i learned that it takes all to you know, all kinds of experience to really learn a dance form, I think, from mm-hmm. that, too. Like, I learned a lot as a beginner being in advanced classes or, or dancing with... Okay, this is my point. <laughs> as an advanced dancer, you have no idea how helpful you are to beginning dancers in level one. Like, as an ATS dancer, if you're in, like, level three, four, beyond... You should be going to level one just because everybody needs technique forever and ever, always. Right. But you are also helping out that level one dancer who is maybe a couple weeks into their dance career. Mm -hmm. You are being an example for them of what they can attain. And you are, you know, you're part of the community. And I think that's my point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something that you and I talk about a lot, actually. Um, just in our general conversations, but like, you know, we've all, I think you and I, I, I'll just speak for myself and then you can chime in as to whether this was also your experience. But like when you first start dancing, you just, you're like a sponge, right? Like yeah, you want to learn everything. You're like, okay, the, the ATS vocabulary has what, like over a hundred different movements and variations, right? And you're like, I want to learn all of it. Yep. And then some. Right. So you go through level one and level two a couple times, and then you get bored, right? Because you're like, I want to learn all the different vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And you go, you start taking a level three class, and that's like all you want to do. Yeah. 
because you're like, I need to learn all this. I need to learn the most advanced stuff. I need to like learn floor work, blah, blah, blah. But then once you've been dancing for a while and you know, you become mature as a dancer and you watch videos of yourself oh God, where yes. your, where your technique is busted, you realize that actually the most advanced thing that you can work on is your fundamentals. Right. And that is like, that never, ever, ever ends. I mean, I still, I still go to level one classes and find something that I want to work on. It's like continuing process. Like recently my right elbow has developed a mind of its own and likes to lock out on everything. It's something that I notice in videos and that you've noticed in videos. And you know, like we work on arm posture literally from day one right? in our, in our level one classes. So there's like always something to refine or improve or tweak. Right. And, and I just, I agree with you. I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. And I was the same way when I was first learning, I got through a couple sessions of level one. I went through a couple sessions of level two and you know, the, the whole six weeks fat chance series um, that they have now that's six weeks of level one, 12 weeks of level two. I didn't have that when I first started mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. It was just my teacher sort of guessing, yeah. I guess. But, um, once she taught, you know, us, I think there was like four of us in her class, level one and two, as she knew it, we moved to this, this dance studio where her fellow teachers were teaching other people. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden there was like 20 of us. Yeah. And we all like clocked each other in the room. Like, all right, who's the most advanced fucking dancer here? Yeah. Right? And that's when I started learning level two, three movements. And in my head, I'm like, I need more. I need more advanced stuff. I, I'm too, Yeah, you want to have all I'm the tricks, too, right? I'm yeah. too good for level one. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Which I believe was uh, definitely something I should never have said to I, myself. But you know what? I, I mean, I remember having that specific thought as a student. Um, I'm too good for level one. Yeah. And it's, I honestly feel like it's just a part of your, like, dance evolution. Right. Right. Like, right. Totally is. And I was, like, really resentful of the students who were allowed to perform, and I wasn't yet, and I was like, I'm just as good as that, you know? <laughs> I really remember having these thoughts, and looking back, I really wish I, I chilled the fuck out. Yeah. Right? But you want it. Yeah. You want it so, so bad. You're just hungry. You're hungry for everything. You just, you're like, why am I not progressing faster? Like, why can't I do all of these things yet? Yeah. God, if only we knew. If, if only, only we knew. Like, the things that if we had known when we first started dancing. Yeah, if I, if, if older me could go back in time to the younger me, I would put my hand on my shoulder and then slap myself across <laughs> the face. <laughs> Don't touch me. <laughs> Don't touch me. Um, no, I would be like, chill out. This is a long journey. Um, be thankful YouTube doesn't exist yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, just just chill out and enjoy it and really ground yourself in the practice. Yeah. Because I didn't really do that until I moved to London, which was already a good three years into my dancing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I remember, God, I must have been dancing for four or five years at this point, and I had to completely retool my Toxium. Oh, God. 
Isn't that a bitch? Uh, yeah, which is why, I mean, like, you tell students all the time, you're like, you want to learn this the correct way because it's a lot harder to undo to bad yeah. um, habits later in life. And I think, you know, like, we say that because we've experienced it. Yes. Right? And, like, the the hubris of youth <laughs> and inexperience is like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, having had to completely retool my Toxime at one point in my dance career... I had to completely retool my Egyptian at one point. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. Actually, when I first learned Egyptian, mm-hmm. um, when I was learning, like, the cabaret-style Egyptian, it started on the left. Yeah. So you would, like, step on the left and then do the right hip. Yeah. And so I had to completely, like, unlearn that. Unlearn that. But the Toxine one, I still have, like, nightmares about that. <laughs> Toxine PTSD. Toxine PTSD. Just because... <laughs> It was when I discovered that I was doing it wrong. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, God. It's a blow to the ego, It's too. a blow to the ego, and then it, you have to completely find a way to take it out of your muscle memory. Right. And do the exact, like, literally, I was doing the exact opposite. The, my weight shift was the exact opposite of how it's supposed to be. Right. And, like, Toxium is, in my opinion... One of the hardest movements. Oh, totally. In our dance. Like we teach it level one. Level one, like what we do. I I go over it week one. Yeah, and then we do like deep dive, I yeah. think, in, in week two. And there's a reason for that. It's because it's one of the hard like just because it's in level one, week one doesn't, doesn't mean that it's easy. It just it means that it's you get more time to <laughs> hold it. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's like, so I was like well into my dance career when I had to go back and work on a week, a week one, level one, week one movement. Yeah. <laughs> and really just like drill the hell out, out of it and take private lessons. Totally. To fix that and get it to where I want it to be. And it still isn't, you know, like dancing isn't where I want it to be. No. And I think that is a topic that we can spend hours on. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm sure we will at some point. Yeah. But some, something you had said uh, and now I'm forgetting what it was. But anyway, going back to level one classes constantly, constantly reviewing technique. And I want to add to that, doing it with different teachers. Mm. Because a lot of teachers and I know I'm sometimes I do this, I have a specific script for how they go over things. And you try as a teacher to really get, you know, have your students, every single one of them, be able to understand it. And But sometimes you need to hear, as a student, you need to hear it from a couple different people in a couple different ways before the penny finally drops. <laughs> that's, that's how I was. Right. Like when I first got to the Fat Chance Studio in 2011, mm-hmm. I think. I had taken classes with Carolina, and then Wendy and Sandy, and then I remember um, Suzanne Elliott explaining uh, a part of the posture to me, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and I had been doing it for, you know, I've been dancing for almost 10 years at that point. Right. So, and also as a teacher, I love going to other teachers' um, level one classes because you hear different ways of explaining things that you're like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Totally stealing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we had we had the luxury as 
students at the Fat Chance Studio to study from different people routinely, and our students now have that opportunity yeah. to do that because, you know, all six of us cycle through teaching. Um, but it's the same thing. Like, I love going to other people's level one classes because, like I said earlier, I always find something. There is, like, literally never been a level one class that I've gone to where I haven't, like, learned, learned something, something. Yeah. or found something that I want to work on or like you said someone just says something in a different way yeah and you know then you're like well now I have like now I have a different way of thinking about this yeah. and a different way of communicating it to other people yeah I, I feel like it's a really enriching experience for students and teachers alike to just constantly be going to different teachers um yeah and, and you don't and maybe that's another re good reason to have fundamentals classes at work at uh, workshop weekends. Yeah, because you know we get the opportunity to learn from each other a lot. But it would be really interesting to hear how the other sister studios teach things, and how the other you know, uh, or even how other dance forms explain the toxic. Yeah, because you know we, we, in ATS we do have the toxic, but it's it's a movement in belly dance mm -hmm. like. Like the ITS talk team is counted, and I, f I felt like that was a really cool experience going over that with with Sam when we were learning with her. Right. But uh, anyway, back to talking about our histories. I feel like that was a little detour. A, a, <laughs> it was a good, valuable oh, little yeah. detour. But I want to ask you about your very first ATS performance. <laughs> Okay, so what were you wearing? Who were you okay. dancing with? What did you dance to? And what scared the hell out of okay. you? Okay, so I'm gonna like backtrack a little bit. Okay, and start with like my very first belly dance performance okay. ever, just yeah. because like it kind of, I feel like it. I'm sure it informed like the rest of my dance career. Right. Um, it was my very first belly dance performance. It was like the spring showcase at the YWCA, which was like my goal, right? This was like my first belly dance goal that I ever set for myself. Like when I started, I was like, I want to be good enough someday to like do the spring recital. So it was my first belly dance performance ever. Um, and our instructor gave them the wrong music. So it was the right song. But it was, like, the extended for Like, she had uh, edited it down. And so, I mean, it was supposed to be, like, a two-minute song. And obviously, it was, like, choreography. Right. And then the song came on. <laughs> and it wasn't the song. And I remember having this thought on stage, like, I must be going crazy because I don't remember this part of the music. Oh, my God. Um, and I'm sure there's video. I know there was video of it. I don't know where it is anymore. Um... And I feel like that was like a really good uh, out of out of the frying. What is the phrase? Uh, out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a. You, we tell our students all the time about stuff like that happening. Yeah. Like, oh, your phone accidentally goes on to shuffle and a completely oh, random God. song that you don't know. Like, so I feel like I got that experience of maintaining your composure on stage like really early. <laughs> Literally, my first belly dance performance ever. Anyway, so. My first ATS performance was um, up in Seattle. I was living in Seattle. So I started studying at the Fat Chance um, studio. And then I went to law school up in Seattle. And I continued dancing because it helped me stay sane right. <laughs> while I was in law school. And 
my first performance was at an Ethiopian restaurant. Oh, interesting. And I don't remember, I think it was like a dancer's night where they had like a bunch of, you know, where they have like a bunch of students or whatever. Okay. Um, and what did I wear? I wore, we had to do headdress. So it was like required mm-hmm. that like your first performance had to do headdress. Um, which will be interesting getting to yours because you had sort of a different experience. Yeah. So I had a headdress on. I, I'm sure it looked janky as hell. And there is a video of this. So <laughs> because, because we're talking about it, <laughs> I will post the video. I'm not embarrassed. It's part of my, I mean, I'm a little embarrassed, um, but it's part of my dance journey. Yeah. Um, and I think people will get a kick out of it. No so shame. I had to do full headdress. I made a tassel bill uh-huh. um, to go with it, which I think I still have. And I wore a tassel belt, a coin bra, the first coin bra that I ever put together, and a black fluffy skirt, which I'm going to wear, which is still the black fluffy skirt that I own, which I'm going to wear today. Oh, that's cool. Um, and we danced to Amel. Oh, yeah, I do remember. We danced yeah. to Amel. So... That was my very, very first ATS performance. Oh, what scared the hell out of me? Probably everything. <laughs> I mean, a restaurant, looking back on it, like a restaurant is a super challenging it is. environment to dance in for even, uh, you know, even a very it's experienced easy. dancer because there's a lot of um, factors that you can't control, such as like waiters walking by with trays of food. Um, yeah. You know, people are constantly getting up. There's You have to leave like areas for people to walk around. So... I don't know that we talked much about sort of the challenges of dancing in a restaurant, and it was a pretty, like, quiet night, so it didn't end up being, like, too much of a problem, but I definitely think, you know, we were in the round, but we only danced to one front, because, I mean, it was my first performance, like, we didn't know how to change fronts, Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it was definitely, it wasn't like a traumatic experience like my first belly dance performance oh, was. Oh, God. Um, and I think it went well. I don't know. People can watch the video and laugh. That's awesome. What a little baby dancer I was. Ooh, so <laughs> what about you? Okay, well, my fir- very first performance on a stage ever. Yeah. Not belly dance? Belly. Let's talk about belly dance. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I was going to tell you a funny story about one. Uh, anyway. Oh, well, I want to hear it now. Okay. It's another one of my mom's favorite stories. Is, <laughs> is when I was a little girl, I was in, like, you know, a little ballet. I don't remember ex- exactly what it was. But we're doing this piece where we're all jack-in-the-boxes. And we had... Well, box- you had a little cone hat on? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we all had to pop out of the box. Oh, my God! video of this? Is no. there like a VHS somewhere? There is not. I did not get out of my box. <laughs> you did? You were like, I'm not coming out today. I was like, fuck this shit. Oh I am God. not. I was terrified. But I got like a little participation award. Now I remember being like, I don't want this. I didn't get out of my box. I don't deserve this. <laughs> I love how you did it. Like you were like, I, I, I mean, I didn't do the thing. 
Yeah, I did do the thing. Why <laughs> I do I deserve it? I remember them handing it to me. They're like, oh, look what you got. And I'm like, why? <laughs> so wait, you just stayed in the box. The I stayed in the box time. on stage the whole time. So it was like. And I believe somebody told me I was minutes. crying. <gasps> yeah. Oh. I think I was like five or six or oh, something. Oh, no. Kathy must have been so mad at you. <laughs> was she just like, She's like women? She was like, I spent all that money <laughs> on dance classes and you had to stay in the damn <laughs> box. Oh, my parents would have said the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And then I, I distinctly remember quitting dance after that. Really? Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to go through that again. It's pretty traumatic. Um, Are we almost here? Yeah, we're almost here. Cool. Anyway, uh, but my first belly dance performance, I felt, was was great because my teachers at the time, they, you know, one of them owned a, a yoga studio slash dance studio. So every couple of months, they would do, like, mini hafwas that they called tea parties. Ah, Isn't that cute? cute? And it was it was mostly all women. Like they were, I don't. Is it like tea for tribal? They call them Moroccan tea parties because oh, they had these like cute. Moroccan tables and they would brew mint tea and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was all women. Uh-huh. And my teacher had put a you know chose the song for us, and I'm trying to remember what the song was called. Caravan by Radar. No, I don't know. It was, was a really old song. I'll see if I can find it and I'll link it. There's no video of it because this is pre YouTube. And it was myself, my friends, Nicole, um, who is now a marine mammal trainer in, in Las Vegas, which crazy. And my friend, Natalie, who's also no longer dancing and one other woman. And I cannot remember her name. I believe it was Lynn. Anyway, my teacher gave us the song and she said, pick two or three moves in your head and you will do those movements. And so we sort of semi choreographed it. But it was still sort of improv. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when you first start out dancing, you're like, I don't know how to string these things together, so right. I'm going to come up with a combo and just do that over and over. Um, and, and that was basically it. That It was really sweet, cute. Um, I was wearing pantaloons that were black with a bright pink top band. Oh, my God. That I bought from a woman... Um, Becca belly roll. Oh I, yeah. yeah. I bought from her. I still have you them. still have them? Yep. And I wore a bright pink like cabaret coin belt with silver coins like those. <laughs> and then I wore a tank, a black tank top because I didn't have a choli or a coin bra yet. Uh-huh. And a black headdress. No flowers. No nothing. So I remember you saying that it was like... There was, like, a whole progression for your headdress situation when you were yes. a student. Yes, and, right? and, and my teachers had, like, all the regalia. They were had, like, beautiful banjara cholis that they wore, different color skirts. They would layer two 25-year-old skirts, tassel belts, fringe, huge, beautiful headdresses. But when you, are, you were starting as a student in their troop, you had to wear basic black. And then you sort of graduated to, like, you know adding pops of color. Yeah. You had to, like, earn your strength. Exactly. Yeah. It was, like, ATS karate. <laughs> <laughs> you are now a pink belt. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was, it was nice because I didn't feel the pressure of having to buy all sorts of gear yeah. all at once, and everybody was on the same playing field. But I also remember being, like, that was a part of my frustration was, like, I really 
really want to be better because I want all the good gear and I want this. And that's when I bought my first um, spin skirt from Gwen was when I was living back in Syracuse and it was basic black with a bright pink border. I was super you still into have pink. that one, right? I still have that one. I still wear it to this day. But before that, my now mother-in-law made me a black fluffy skirt. I think it was probably 10, 12 yards. And that thing was heavy. <laughs> like, I don't think the, what people realize about wearing a 10-yard skirt is you have to use, like, the gauze stuff. Yeah. Because it's so much. It's heavy. Anyway, and it was long, and I was tripping over it. <laughs> but, Am you going know, the right way? I think so. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't remember. I think the song was Caravan by Radar. But the funny thing is, was my very first performance with just Philippa when we were in London was Amel. Oh my God. Yes. And it was at this this venue in, I think, Leicester Square, the underground club. And it was like 1,001 nights. <laughs> and it was mostly cabaret. And they hadn't really, they didn't really see much tribal back then. Yeah. So it was the first time me and Philippa did it you know, just a performance as our duet. And we did floor work. We <laughs> oh, man. But I tell you, the, the most memorable first performance with Philippa was at, at an event that does not happen anymore called Tribal London. It was put on by the Belly Dance Superstars. And it was me and Philippa. And we we decided to do Roa Elby by Hosam Ramsey. Oh my god. I still don't know that song. And we were like, <laughs> we were like, uh, we're not gonna zill because it's too fast. <laughs> oh, tribal sacrilege. I know. I know. And Philippa to this day is like, I can't believe we did that. <laughs> but we did it because, and we decided last minute we were gonna zill because we looked out into the audience and like Cammy was there oh and like god. all the big tribal gals were were yeah. there and i was just like oh god and this is the the link that i will post in the notes is is mine and philippa's like yeah purple and black dancing to raw albie with those stills because it was too fast <sighs> but i remember you know going on that stage it was an open stage seeing all those top named build you know dancers in the room and we did our thing and we got off stage and everybody was so supportive yeah. which is something i love about this community is that no matter what your level like people just love to see people who are passionate and really enthusiastic about what they do right yeah so and that we were we were very enthusiastic <laughs> but i will never wear purple and black ever again <laughs> I can't believe you ever even used to wear pink. Like, yeah, I know. Stuff. Ask Philippa, man. Next time you see Philippa, tell her, tell her to tell you about how she would always wear pink and purple, or no, black and purple, and I would always used to wear black and pink. That was our thing. How's your thing? That was your colors. Yeah, it was almost almost like a uniform. People got really sick of it after a while. <laughs> It's funny to look back on your photos and videos and stuff and, like, yeah, how your aesthetic has changed. Oh, totally. I wish somebody told me years ago 
to draw on some damn eyebrows. <laughs> I know. When I look at photos, I'm like, oh, this was clearly in the pre-I knew how to do my eyebrows age. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because what they don't tell you is that when you get on stage under lights, your face all of a sudden turns into, like, a flesh-colored balloon. Like, you know, you don't know that. It's not something that people normally go through. Um, unless you were in, like, theater as a kid. Where they were yeah, just... right. And so there was, like, videos of me, and I'm like, oh, am I not wearing God. makeup at all? Yeah. Like, Gotta paint for the back row. Right. So that was one thing I wish I had knew before performing, was how to properly, you know, put on makeup so that people could actually see it. <laughs> we can and should do, like, a whole episode on makeup. Yeah. It's something that you and I are pretty passionate pretty about. Pretty passionate about. But, I mean, we could do, like, a whole thing on things I wish I had known. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, the second thing I wish I had known was something that Carolina had said to me, to, said to us when I first got to the Fat Chance studio and performed with a student troupe. The first thing she said to us was, your hair has to be up out of your face. No bangs or fringe in your face unless it's cut short mm. right and at the time I had been wearing like my curls down around my face mm-hmm. and when she said that to me I was like oh no <laughs> that's pretty much our history right yeah pretty much I mean the, like early days the early days what I wish I had known another thing I wish I had known before um, really getting into performing and And I'm sure we could go on and on and on about this, but just as a little thing, I really wish I had known to um, make sure somebody sweeps the stage before you go. (laughs) Because there were several instances in my early performing days where we would be performing at like cabarets and, and clubs where there was glass on the floor. Oh, no. But yeah, it's good to it's good to sweep the floor and uh, give yourself time to get ready. I never give myself enough time to I get ready. Know. You're always late. I'm always late. <laughs> well, it looks like we're we finally made it to Santa Cruz. We're about to go into the venue. Um, maybe while we're in there, it would be really fun to catch up with the other ATS dancers who are about and ask them quick questions about their first performances. Yes, I'd love to hear that. So, I guess we'll be right back. But it's going to be like a pretty seamless experience for them. So, yeah through the magic of editing. I'll be right back. (laughs) And it's not like we're going to keep recording and you have to wait for 30 minutes in silence. Right, exactly. Okay. We have Casey and Sean from Persephone Dance Company here to tell us about their first experiences with... A first belly dance performance or ATS performance? Anything that was quite memorable. Maybe, maybe what bursting you wish, at the Maybe what you wish you knew before you dove in. But anyway, Casey, since you're bursting, all right. So I had only been belly dancing for about three or four months. I had learned how to shimmy, and then Kathy Stallman thought, you know, well, actually, Sean broke her ankle, and Kathy Stallman said, you know, we need another person. Can you do Sean's role? And I was like, yeah, I've only been dancing four months, like. I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
I didn't actually look back. And then I went out, and she even gave me a solo, and it was so horrible. I invited so many people to it, but at least it like helped with my stage fright. But I'm not sure how I feel about going out when you really don't know how to dance yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's funny when we're such baby dancers. We're like, I'm amazing. I'm going to go. Anyway, I realized I was not amazing yeah. very early, but I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You were killing it. I, anyway. too, was amazing right out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sean. Sean is telling her story now. So my story is, um, well, I don't really have much of a story except to say that my teacher, Palika Benton, love you, girl, was... Uh, was wise enough to not let me be a principal dancer when I first started and kept me in the chorus for a really, 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 really long time, which at the time was hard and now I realized was necessary. And we danced at a big uh, a party, a big rich guy's party. And I just remember being in the chorus and being shaky. And I remember somebody giving me some Valerian backstage valerian that didn't sit well like i just remember feeling that made me feel worse and i felt completely out of it and then just arabicking and arabicking and arabicking and swaying and swaying swaying and yeah retrospect good thing I, I really don't have much to say other than we just did the same thing over and over and over and we're kind of stuck in a loop oh and i saw a video of it and everybody was uh, not three-quarter shimmying, and I was three-quarter shimmying. So maybe I was a little ahead of my time, but I shouldn't have been because no one else was doing it. <laughs> so I was looking kind of like a complete spaz, and everybody else was just, you know, not three-quarter shimmying. So, yeah. How far you ladies have come. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Some days. Doesn't always feel that way. <laughs> We're here with Robin Ryan, <laughs> who's cracking up right now, from uh, Wild Card Belly Dance and Persephone Dance Company. Hey, hey. And we decided that we were going to ask this whore. I mean, we can cut that out, but I'm going to call you a whore. Oh, no, you need, it. you need to call me a whore. <laughs> we are going to ask you about your first performance experience. What would you do? What went wrong? What went right? Okay. Go for it. So, one of my it was one of my first, and you know, Wild Card only balances the really sharp, heavy scimitars. Cause you extra. Cause we extra <laughs> like that, and I really that's not my jam. I just couldn't get it on my head when I was a student, and I was having some struggles. Anyway, we did this big thing. It was like an Armada um, Halloween party that we were performing at, and we just threw it up on our heads, and wham. Slice my finger open, I was bleeding. This was right in the beginning. So oh. the whole time there's blood on my finger and I'm like freaking out the whole time. And I'm just like, this is horrible. I'm is it never like gonna gushing? dance again. Like paint or picture it wasn't me. like gushing, but it was there. I mean, it was, and what happened was someone accidentally hit my sword and I went up to grab it. And we didn't, you know, we left them sharp because, because you know, we're ratchet like that. We don't, we don't even dull those things down. We, we do it sharp and I cut myself and it was, a total struggle. And then, I think it was the same show, my belt fell off. Oh, no. This was like, you know, this is like 15 years ago or something. So, yeah. you know, I'm not, you know, 
things have changed now, but <laughs> it was definitely like, like that's like the one early experience I really remember because it it like scarred me. I don't really balance much anymore because of that actually. Oh really? Yeah. It's just oh. that that thing kind of left me, and you know. But when I joined Persephone, we started doing scimitar stuff, and it's okay now. But yeah. Do you? There was blood. I take it you don't you have them dull dull swords now. Well, in Persephone, we use the. The shorties? The shorties, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, no. Wildcard still uses the same... <laughs> it's the same damn scimitars we've had for like 20 years. Damn. They're still sharp. And like, we're, we're crazy like that. Seba, every time she touches it, even in rehearsal, she me. polishes it, wipes it down. That thing looks brand new and it's like 20 years old. Does, does she polish it and have a crazy look in her eye? Mm. She's like, mm, Is this better? Mm, like this, what? <laughs> You guys aren't getting any video podcasts with all the faces and all the like ratchet that's happening up in here. She's what people love this. I know, right? She's gonna be. I can hear her now. Like, oh my god. <laughs> she keeps it in a giant gun case and like massages Rubs that it. thing. Now she's a massage therapist for a living, so she works that sword like. <laughs> you know, she works wax on, it. wax off. That's my oh, girl. She, you know what's she up. She should teach a workshop on sword care and call it work that sword. How to stroke it. Keep it shiny. Oil it. And everybody's looking at us like we're crazy. All right. Let's stroke it. Girl. Right. <laughs> hey. Okay. That was our friends Sean, Casey, and Robin of Persephone Dance Company. Um, thank you guys for uh, joining us on the podcast, even though it was only for... You know, like 30 seconds. But, <laughs> but, you know, we spent way more than 30 seconds with them because right. they had us dance with them and members of Alhambra uh, at uh, Coastal Belly Fest. It's a couple years in. It's a smaller festival down in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, cabaret and Tribal mixed in. Jill Parker and her students did a set. Um, my friend Sarah Shrapnel, who's from the UK, her and her cabaret girls did a set. She also did the most adorable solo. Oh my god, she was like lip-syncing, and her facial expressions were amazing. Anyway, love the small community festivals. Yeah, and it's just like you know how much work goes into putting Oh my god, on, yeah. Um, no matter what the size or scale of it is. Yeah. So, um, we're always really appreciative of the fact that there are... <laughs> There are people who are willing to do that and create um, opportunities for the community to come together. It's a total labor of love. It really is, yeah. I don't think anybody initially goes into coordinating a belly dance festival to make a ton of money. No, no. You do it because you do it for the love of it, really. Yeah, and, you know, breaking even is, is, is the goal. Yeah. And then the icing on the cake is making a bit of money off of it so you can do it the next year. Mm-hmm. But the, what's up next? We have Sirens Fest, Sirens Fest. up in Sebastopol. Mm-hmm. Another um, great little local, local festival. Um, and then after that, we'll have the Wildcard Hofla. Oh, the Wildcard Hofla. <laughs> Oh, God. If you guys haven't hung out with the wildcard gals, you need to. They are a riot. They're a riot. They know how to bring the party onto the stage. They really do. And they, yeah, they bring the party onto the stage, and they bring it with them wherever they go. 
<laughs> they are one of my favorite groups to watch. They're one of my favorite groups to watch and to hang out with with. backstage. Basically, what we're asking you to do, Wildcard, is to please adopt us. (laughs) (laughs) And and do a a collaboration at some point. I think that would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. It would be super fun. And um, Sophia's teaching in France in October... So yeah. if you are in the France area, <laughs> Paris, right? Paris, yes. Yes. Uh, go and pick Sophia's brain and then slap her in the face for me because I won't be there. <laughs> she needs to be told who's boss. It's true. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes <laughs> she does. You never know. <laughs> The Q is created and hosted by Sophia Salazar-Rubio and Jesse Stanbridge. The music in this episode is Booba Mara by the Booba Mara Brass Band, available from the Free Music Archive. Thanks again to Sean, Casey, and Robin of Persephone Dance Company for inviting us to join them on stage and for telling us about their first dance performances. We want to hear about your first dance performance. Comment on this episode on SoundCloud or send us an email at whatsthecue at gmail.com. Happy shimmies until next time.